and welcome to the Kitchen Confidant podcast. Today, I am so excited to welcome back Sylvie Bigar. Sylvie is an award-winning international food and travel writer. You may have seen her words grace the pages of the Washington Post, the New York Times, and more. The last time she was on the podcast, Sylvie and I talked about the art of the memoir, and I am thrilled to have her on the show again to chat about her very own memoir, Cassoulet Confessions, Food, France, Family, and the Stew That Saved My Soul. Welcome back, Sylvie. It's so good to see you. Thank you. It's so great to be here, Liren. Thank you so much for having me back. I can't believe that months have passed. I thought it would, you know, I didn't think it would fly by that quickly. I should know better, but yeah, I'm so excited. I have been reading your book and I love it so much. I, ah. Uh, I couldn't put it down, let's just say. <laughs> I don't want to give away anything, um, and I will leave that to you, but my goodness, it's I love it so much. It's such a wonderful, wonderful read, and um, maybe, I know you talked about it before, can you just talk to everyone a little bit and tell everyone what led you to write your memoir? So thank you first for your kind words. And um, you, you really could not have chosen better words because in fact, uh, the, you know, I couldn't put it down. That's the best compliment <laughs> I think that any author can get. Um, and I am extremely lucky and happy to tell you that I've been hearing this over and over again. I couldn't put it down. Now, it's not a very big book. So, yeah. you know, I couldn't put it down and then I finished it, which is great. <laughs> it's not I couldn't put it down, but then, you know, there were, you know, 125 chapters. No, it's a short book. It's a short read. Um, however, it took me a very long time to figure it out. Um, actually, I, I sort of carried that book inside of me for more than 10 years. Um and the book is is a mix of two very different stories. Um, on one hand, it's the story of an obsession with a dish, mm -hmm. the discovery of cassoulet. Now, not everybody knows what cassoulet is. It's a sort of a rural, rustic uh, stew of different meats, beans, herbs, um, and whatever you've got lying around in the kitchen. Um, so there's a story of that discovery that happened in the southwest of France um, and uh, the story of my master cassoulet, um, you know, professor, uh, a chef named Eric Garcia, who sort of opened my eyes not only to the dish, but to the stories that were hidden, you know, under the crust, um, all of these um, traditions and um, basically he sort of decided to open up about also his region, uh, the Occitanie region, which is, you know, the southeast, southwest of France, um, Toulouse, between Toulouse and Montpellier to, to, mm -hmm. to help people visualize it. So there's that culinary story. And then there's the story of my family, um, uh, where we never ate cassoulet. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, one of the first sentences of the first chapter. We never ate cassoulet um, in, in the house I grew up in. And uh, the story of my family is, is pretty dramatic. Um, it is uh, uh, a wonderful story, but it took me a very long time to figure out 
why I knew these two stories were meant to be mixed and weaved into one book. Yeah, you do it masterfully. I, you know, I you. was progressing through the chapters and thinking to myself, oh, that was a wonderful choice that you did there. And I love how you do incorporate these two stories together. It makes a lot of sense, very much like Kasule. You know, you've got a lot of different elements, but together it works so well. So maybe let's start. Let's start with Kasule first. You, you touched upon it briefly. It's a stew. Um, but my understanding too, from what you've, you've said is that depending on the region that you're in, in France, the cassoulet may be a little different based on ingredients. Absolutely. So, so there are of course, many recipes for cassoulet. There are many recipes for a lot of these stews that you find in, me in many different cultures. Um, feijoada, you know, in Brazil um, is an example. It's the beans, you know, the beans is, is the base. Um, and then, of course, this being France, um, a lot of the cooks and the chefs who make cassoulet have very definite ideas about what should be inside the pot. So if you go to Toulouse, they will tell you one thing. If you go to Carcassonne, they will tell you another. Um, if you go to actually the region of Bordeaux, they also make cassoulet, but completely differently. Um, my master of cassoulet, my cassoulet master, um, <laughs> believes in three recipes. You know, uh, Toulouse Castelnaudary, which is a, a small town that sort of called itself the uh, basically world capital of cassoulet. You know, I think they, they got together at, at, you know, at City Hall there and decided that they were going to become the world capital of cassoulet. So in Castelnaudary, everybody believes that it's the world capital of cassoulet. It is not my opinion, but, <laughs> um, you know, there's basically three master recipes. Carcassonne is one, the walled city. Um, Castelnaudary is the second and Toulouse is the third. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then you can also create the cassoulet that you want to create, you know. And uh, if you do it the right way, it can take three days. <laughs> but I will tell you um, and, and tell our listeners that uh, there is a simpler recipe in the book. And we call it the gateway cassoulet. And it can be done you know, in a day. You can start it in the morning and eat cassoulet at night. So I want to reassure people that this is not, you know, necessarily a journey that you need to take. I think I think it's a good way to have a gateway <laughs> recipe to people, for people so that they can get that nice introduction. And then when they get that under done and under their belt, they can tackle perhaps the three-day one. But so you mentioned Carcassonne you talk about how you spent some time there and what really stood out to me was how you talked about how they would have or serve cassoulet and red wine for breakfast and that was such a lovely image and such a surprise to me i can only imagine what it was like for you to wake up and and to see that at the table 
So it was incredible. And um, I think what, what matters in this image is to realize that, um, that for certain, um, you know, traditional families, you eat what's there. You eat what was made the day before. Uh, you don't run to the bakery to get croissant and, uh, you know, and butter. There's food in the house and you go to the fridge, you reheat it, and that's what you eat, whether it's breakfast, lunch, or, or dinner. And in fact, the uh, Eric Garcia opened his, um, his heart to me. Uh, he actually let me stay with his family. And the people who were having uh, this breakfast were his grandkids, his son and, and daughter-in-law, and, uh, and, and himself with his wife. Yeah, he was very, very generous with his time with you. And you did a stage with him. Yes, because I couldn't shake this obsession. <laughs> uh, first, I went there for a very simple story for a magazine now sadly defunct called Food Arts. Mm -hmm. And so I went to the southwest of France to write about the history of cassoulet. Okay, like you would go maybe, you know, to write about the history of Bouillabaisse in Marseille, or you would go to, uh, you know, Strasbourg to write about choucroute. It seemed a very simple thing. But in fact, I realized that, you know, with this cassoulet came a whole region where, um, you know, people cultivated beans and and it had to be these beans that went into the pot. And, you know, I went to the duck farmer and and went to pick, you know, wild herbs in the Montagne Noir. And so I came back to New York and started writing my simple story for food arts. But then I couldn't stop. I continued to write all kinds of other stories, which pot to use. Um, and, and I wrote that for a very different magazine, a very uh, high, you know, luxury magazine. Um, and then, you know, a whole story about the region and on and on. And finally, I just realized I had to go back. And so I, I called Chef Garcia and I asked him if I could come for a stage. And he, you know, he basically, because he was gruff, you know, mm -hmm. kind of full of character and personality. And, and so he was kind of sneering, like, you think you can learn to make cassoulet? You know, yeah, yeah, you come here and we'll have fun. Well, and he put uh, you to work. <laughs> and as soon as I arrived there, I'm not going to give you know, the story away, but, mm -hmm. but what was waiting for me on that counter, would, you know, was a pretty uh, striking uh, part of an animal waiting for me to, <laughs> to, to cut it up. Yes, you got very intimate with the ingredients. Uh, True. And I'm really impressed with, you know, how he really took you through every ingredient and not just in his kitchen, but all over. I mean, you yeah. drove places to really we to did. visit everybody and all the farmers. Yes, he, he wanted me to understand why cassoulet mattered. Well, he did a good job. And thank you for sharing that with us. One of the things I did want to touch on was duck confit. Um, yes. I would love if you could just talk about its importance, just because I feel like it's it's not, you know, 
it's not a common thing here in the U.S. Like I actually have a little terrine of duck confit in my in my pantry from our exchange student. That was a gift of hers, and I am so hesitant to open it because I know it's precious. But maybe you could just talk a little bit about its importance in the process of making it. Well, I think first of all, duck confit is basically duck cooked in its own fat or in additional fat. So we're going back to the way meat was preserved, you know, in Roman times. Mm. Um, so it's nothing fancy. Uh, actually, it's the opposite of that. It's just a very traditional way of conserving meat. Um, now, it is precious. You're absolutely correct about that. But I see duck confit now in the stores in New York City. Mm -hmm. um, I, I see it. And maybe this is thanks to Ariane Dagain, who, um, you know, created this company called D'Artagnan, d'Artagnan.com. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and through D'Artagnan, you can order duck confit. And duck confit is, is very important in cassoulet because it's salted also. And so it gives a, um, it, it salts the beans, if you will, and the fat melts, um, you know, within the pot. You sear the duck confit first, and then you put it, um, you sort of shred the meat in, in some recipes, mm -hmm. and then you put that in, in the pot. Uh, it's a very important part of cassoulet. However, you find recipes without duck confit. For example, in Carcassonne, the traditional way to use poultry was to uh, go out and hunt partridge. Right, right. Right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and the partridge, the, you know, basically eat the grapes. They, they, they eat the, you know, the fruit of the vine. Um, so I didn't know that until I read yeah. your... Yeah, yeah. so and interesting. So, yeah, and it's the one of the reasons they're so delicious is because their meat is full of these grapes. So, but you know, hunting is a whole other um, topic, and sometimes you can hunt and sometimes you can't, depending on the region and the time of year. So, people do use duck confit as a replacement. So I'm just curious, with all the time that you spent with Chef Garcia, what do you remember most from your time with him? His hands. Oh. He had the most amazing hands. Um, his hands were definitely a worker's hands, you know? Mm -hmm. You could see that these hands had um, worked and overworked meat, vegetables, fish, um, they had been scratched, they had been burned, they had been hurt. However, they were also the hands of a poet um, because he is uh, such a person, such a complete person. Um, and when he took a pen, you know, he held a pen very delicately. And when he wrote a recipe for me, um, you know, I, I, I felt like his, his, suddenly his movements were completely different. They were elegant suddenly. Um, and so I feel that his hands were sort of a, a summary of who he is. 
I love that. I do feel like you can tell so much about a person when you look at their hands. Um, it's just there are so many stories and all the lines and all the wrinkles and exactly. every callus. So I love that. Well, on the opposite side of things, there's your father. He yes. just seemed larger than life. I mean, I just imagine him like with this great Gatsby type of elegance, the charm of a Kennedy, like it, it, just that aura. Can you tell us more about him? And I love the stories about your dimanche matin, like Sunday mornings with him. I think that's just such a sweet memory. Yes, I'm going to tell you without crying. I'm going to try. Um, <laughs> you, you really, you, you got him. Uh, you completely got who he was. He did oh. have that elegance again. The same word here for for Eric Garcia, but in a very different way. Um, my father was born in 1922. I think he was particularly handsome, but he was also very headstrong and he had a, a drive. Uh, he, he knew what he wanted. He sailed uh, since he was six years old. He, he started to sail. He actually built his own sailboat Incredible. Uh, when he was eight, you know, with, with a sheet and a, and a, and a broom, actually. <laughs> Um, and then he went from that, if you can sort of imagine that on Lake Geneva, um, he went from that to, to beating Ted Turner in the world championship of his boat category. That's, um, I, that's just amazing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and actually, I found a, a, a little, uh, you know, piece written in 1972 in the New York Times about the fact that Ted Turner had lost to this Swiss man, you know, in Geneva. Um, so, that, so that was interesting. But um, I guess the most important piece uh, of my father's persona when it comes to the book is, uh, is the relationship that we had, you know, and the fact that, uh, that he was my best friend and that I thought I knew everything there was to be known about him and uh again i'm not going to give it away but i <laughs> i did not um there was a big piece of him that he kept hidden for a long time yeah your family stories are so incredible um really a movie could be written or made about it honestly i think it would i think it would translate so well to the screen if you ever had that opportunity um, and I love that you wrote, you wrote, childhood memories don't only stay with you, they mold you and make you who you are. So I would love to know, what are some of the memories that you have recreated for your own family? Mm, I have not re recreated the Sunday mornings. Mm. Um, that's, no, I have not done that. I, so I have two children. Um and uh, what I've done, though, is I have taken them to my parents' house over and over again. Uh, and uh, happy to, to, to say that the house is still in our family. Actually, my mother is still living in it. Oh, that's at, wonderful. At uh, age 96 and a half. Wow. So... Um, Basically, yeah, my, my kids, uh, both my daughter and my son, have spent many vacations there. 
And I feel that this house is sort of our legacy. Um, now, as far as traditions, I've been cooking, I guess, with them a lot, uh, trying to also transmit, you know, the French culture, um, not in a literary point of view, but more in a um, more in a lifestyle point of view. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I love cooking Sunday lunch, uh, which is a very French thing to do. And uh, big revelation here, I hate brunch. So we don't <laughs> eat brunch in, in my house. We make Sunday lunch, you know, and maybe, uh, you know, leg of lamb or, or a cassoulet or a boeuf bourguignon a la Julia Child. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but definitely no pancake or, or you know, uh, scrambled eggs. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned that you didn't eat cassoulet growing up. But do you make cassoulet now for them? Does it ever make Sunday, Sunday lunch? Well, absolutely. Yes, it does. And actually, it's interesting you asked me that because today I got the new pot that I that I received. I got it out on the counter in the kitchen. And I would love to tell you about this pot a little bit if, if yeah, you want. Yeah, of course. Um, and my son came down and he saw the pot out outside of the, you know, of the drawer and he said are you making cassoulet and so <laughs> i said yes actually i want to make cassoulet next week oh i love so, it yes. so also the history of cassoulet i think it's interesting how class seems to have played a little bit of a role in its history i feel like with beans as the source of protein you called it or alluded to it as peasant food how is it received now um in France? I think cassoulet has now um, entered kind of the pantheon of French specialties. Mm -hmm. um, many a French bistro, whether in Australia or in Denver, I was just looking at, uh, at a bistro menu in Denver um, because I'm going to be doing a book tour and I'm most probably going to Denver. And most of these... Um, of these bistros feature cassoulet. I mean, it, it's part of those one pot dish, you know, that you can put in the middle of the table and it's convivial. Um, almost everybody likes it. I mean, I've had people say no to cassoulet if they came for a dinner party and that's what I had. Um, but, but there are few and far between. There's two people. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> there's Two the divide. Said, you know, yeah, exactly. And they're on the blacklist. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, I think it's interesting, too, that there are you visited a facility that produces canned cassoulet. Right. What are your thoughts on that? What was that experience like? That was that was shocking. Um, and, it, and it wasn't shocking because what these people were producing was bad. I, I, I do want to say that. I think that cassoulet in a jar, in a in a glass jar, which you can find in, you know, in, in good grocery stores, that can be very good. I mean, it has nothing to do with the real thing, but it's a good way in, that's mm -hmm. for sure. Um, but 
I think what was really shocking from that visit, from that factory, was that there was no smell at all. Oh, very sterile. Completely sterile. I mean, I could have been in, in a pharmaceutical company. Oh, my gosh. You know, and yeah. that was so shocking because I was coming from the epitome of the French kitchen. You know, Eric Garcia's kitchen, there was always stock, you know, simmering mm -hmm. on the side and 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 fresh herbs, you know, in the Garde Manger. And there were all always things happening there, even though, you know, it was just him and and his son or him and, um, you know, a sous chef um, in that factory. It was just, yeah, sterile is the right word. Shocking. So interesting. And it's and such a, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Now they produce, you know, thousands and thousands of these cassoulet in a can and, and it sells. I can only imagine that cassoulet in a can or a jar just doesn't taste the same when it's in that special pot. So do we need a special pot? Like, what do you think? <laughs> so, um, I think the pot is a great addition to the kitchen. Um, the, the early pots, you know, made in France are huge. They're cumbersome. They're very heavy. But um, I've actually recently started a collaboration with a pottery company called Clay Coyote mm -hmm. in Minnesota. And the co-owner of this company, uh, Morgan Baum, has created a cassole, which is the pot for cassoulet, to go with my book. Oh, that's wonderful. Yes. And her father had created a, a cassole, which has a completely different shape, to go on the cover of Paula Wolford's book, original book of the cuisine of Southwest France back in the 80s. So that's how I found these people. You know, I called and I said, I understand you're cassoulet aficionados. And as soon as I said that, you know, Morgan and I were friends for life. Oh, and, that's so um, neat. And so, yeah, the, there is now this, uh, the, this modern, sleek, uh, you know, black, it's actually black pot. Uh, and uh, it's clay. And it's sustains, you know, modern uh, ovens, and it cooks the stew, I believe, you know, much better than than any other um, utensil or cooking vessel. So if we wanted to purchase this, can we go onto Clay Coyote? Will it be available online? It, absolutely. It That's is great. available online. Um, and uh, she actually sells the book and the castle together. Okay, that's like the perfect Christmas gift for Christmas anyone gift. who's looking for a good idea for someone who loves to cook. It's almost exactly. like getting a tagine and, you know, you're right. They like make, so they make tagine as well. Ah, okay. Yes, um, totally, totally. It's, it's a perfect gift for the foodie who has everything. Exactly. Because that they might not have. Yes, you know, yes. Castle. Okay, and if if they can't wait or they just want to do it, what do you think? Like a Dutch oven, would that be okay? Yes, a Dutch oven can work. Absolutely, mm -hmm. it can work. What would be your second pick then? 
<laughs> You're like, you've got to get the cassole. <laughs> no, I mean, there is something special about this clay cooking mm. and the way the heat gets distributed completely evenly. Got you know, it. that's really what it's about. But the Dutch oven will work. Yeah. Well, it's a good no excuse question. to, uh, I mean, who who isn't a sucker for yeah, new cookware. So exactly. So you start by buying a book, you know, and yeah. before you know it, you've got a whole new kitchen going on. Isn't that so funny? Well, I I would love to know what your tips are for someone who is trying to make cassoulet for the first time. What kind of beans should they look for? What are your thoughts there? Um, so I personally don't like beans that are too small. I like big beans, ah. um, but it, it really, it, I think it's a personal taste. Um, for example, the, the, the gigantes beans, you know, that are uh, often used for Greek cuisine, that might be too big. Um, if you can find tarbay beans, I mm. like the size of those, T-A-R-B-A-I-S. Um, but you can you can go on the website of um, you know for example Kalustian has in New York City the spice shop mm -hmm. has all kinds of of beans um, and it's really a personal a personal choice and dried always or can we use canned? No, I think you do have to. Uh, <laughs> You have to, to to take the dry ones and you can you can soak them you can soak them overnight you don't have to think about it mm -hmm. just put them in a you know in a in in the pot uh with water and let them sort of you know evolve wow okay well now that falls around the corner i will be making cassoulet for sure i will be making your version <laughs> and i can't wait and i hope everybody picks up your book because it really Thank is you. such a good read. Is there anything else about the book that, that we should know that Amaya might have missed? Uh, I think you you covered, you know, a lot. Um, maybe we can just uh, also say that uh, the, you know, the history of, of my family um, also, ha you know, goes through World War II and uh, some of the terrible events that that happened there, um, especially, I'm thinking about my uh, late uncle who you know gave his life for for what for freedom or for mm -hmm. France. You know, um, he's actually the hero of my next book. So I guess we'll we'll have to see. Oh my goodness. Well, that's a nice teaser for the next one. I can't wait for that. And Thank Sylvia, you. I know the last time you were here, I had some closing questions for you and I won't ask you all of them, but I am curious. I don't know if you had dinner yet, but what's for dinner tonight? Oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> uh, so because we're talking uh, at the end of the day, you and I, so tonight is delivery night. Oh, is it? And, <laughs> yes. And it's and we're ordering from a wonderful Turkish restaurant around the corner. Mm. Oh, that sounds so good. Yeah. Um, I want to know what's in the order. <laughs> okay. So I'm ordering a lentil soup um, because they make an amazing lentil soup that they actually uh, mix. Mm -hmm. So it's it's very smooth and delicious. An eggplant salad. Mm, delicious. Also delicious. And um, kofta. 
kebab. Oh, so, so it's good. lamb, uh, ground lamb with all kinds of spices. Oh, now I'm getting hungry. I need to cook, but now I want to change everything. <laughs> Can you order? Can you order? I could, but no, oh, no, I can't. No, not tonight. I I bought ingredients. I need to cook. Uh <laughs> Last night was our order night. We actually took the kids out to eat dinner because um, my husband's traveling. But I I do want to cook because I want. I'm leaving for a trip tomorrow, and I want to make sure that there's leftovers for tomorrow. <laughs> uh, well, before I let you go, you know how I like to share five little things, something that made me smile. What made you smile this week? What made me smile was to see um, my daughter's thank you note for the head of her uh, summer job. Uh, oh. She asked me for uh, my input and uh, there was no need for input. Oh, that's the best feeling probably when your mother is a wonderful writer and has no yeah. comments to say. That's yeah, so good. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I'm a wonderful writer, but I was very proud of her. No, well, you absolutely are. I encourage <laughs> everyone to pick up a, a book. Where can they find the book? Where can they find you and, and keep in touch with you? Well, I'm at sbigar.com. That's my website, but I'm also uh, on Instagram and uh, Twitter and TikTok, believe <gasps> it or not. You're I'm, a, I'm not on TikTok. I really should get on, but we need oh, to. Okay. That is a separate conversation. You absolutely <laughs> need to. And it's just, you know, at Sylvie Bigar, S Y L V I E B I G A R. Perfect. Thank you, Sylvie. And of course, you. your book is wherever books are sold. Absolutely. And I can't wait for everyone to read it because it really is wonderful. So thank you for spending time with me again. Thank you, Liren. Thank you again to Sylvie Begar for joining us today. I hope you add Cassolet Confessions to your reading list. It really is so beautifully written. And I know you'll love how she weaves her poignant family memories with the rich history of such a complex dish. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate, review, and share it with a friend and join us again next time. Until then, happy cooking.